Welcome to Season 2 of the Before They Were Beatles podcast. This season we take a look at the group's first few trips to Hamburg, Germany and their rise to becoming the most popular band in Liverpool. Before They Were Beatles, episode 18, The Savage Young Beatles. In this episode, the leather-clad Savage Young Beatles continue to take Liverpool by storm. This is the story of how one of the thousands of amateur British schoolboy skiffle bands in the mid-1950s evolved into the beginnings of the greatest band in popular history. It's a story of hope, creativity and exploring musical boundaries. It's also a story of tragedy, coincidence and at times, just sheer luck. It is a story of beginnings, the story of John... Paul, George and Ringo before they were Beatles. I'm your host, Alan J. Porter. Part 1, July 1961. The Beatles spent the first few days of July travelling home from Hamburg after their engagement at the Top 10 Club and then gave themselves a break for a few weeks before resuming the Liverpool gig circuit. During that break, one significant moment was the launch of a new local music paper that was to have a major impact not only on the Beatles' career but on the British pop music scene in general. John and Stuart's former art college friend Bill Harry and his fiancée Virginia Sowery enjoyed talking to the different groups they went to watch at various venues around Liverpool and started to realise that the members of the bands and their fans were often unaware of what was happening in other parts of the city. The answer to the problem was a special newspaper devoted to the Liverpool beat scene, Mersey Beat. In his article on the Mersey Beat website, Bill Harry notes, It's true that the Beatles' months in Hamburg were a real baptism of fire. It made them a better group than they'd been previously but it was their battles with the other bands in Liverpool over the following two years that gave them their edge. Basically, the Hamburg scene comprised of only three clubs, or within walking distance of each other. The Kaiser Keller, the Top Ten and the Star Club. In contrast, Liverpool had far in excess of 300 venues where groups could play. Thousands of youngsters were pouring into venues to listen to hundreds of bands. Between 1958 and 1964, there were probably around 500 different bands in the Merseyside area and the figure at any one time probably stood at around 350. They may have been just one group among many, but Bill made sure to give his friends coverage, and on page 2 of the first issue of Mersey Beat, dated 6th to the 20th of July 1961, there was a short article by John Lennon entitled Being a Short Diversion on the Dubious Origins of Beatles, translated from the John Lennon. It was a humorous and surreal imaginative story of the group's naming, and it would be John Lennon's first publishing credit. It read... Once upon a time, there were three little boys called John, George and Paul, by name christened. They decided to get together because they were the getting together type. When they were together, they wondered what for after all, what for? So all of a sudden, they grew guitars and fashioned a noise. Funnily enough, no one was interested, least of all the three little men. So on discovering a fourth little, even littler man called Stuart Sutcliffe running about them, they said, quite, Sonny, get a bass guitar and you will be all right. And he did, but he wasn't all right because he couldn't play it. So they sat on him with comfort till he could play. Still there was no beat, and a kindly old man said, quote, Thou hast no drums. We had no drums, they coughed. So in a series of drums came and went and came. Suddenly in Scotland, touring with Johnny Gentle, the group, called the Beatles called, discovered that they had not a very nice sound because they had no amplifiers. So they got some. Many people ask, what are Beatles? Why Beatles? Ugh, Beatles. How did the name arrive? So we will tell you. It came in a vision. A man appeared on a flaming pie and said unto them, From this day on you are the Beatles with an A. Thank you, Mr. Man, they said. 
thanking him. And then a man with a beard cut off said, will you go to Germany, Hamburg, and play mighty rock for the peasants for money? And we said we would play mighty anything for money. But before we could go, we had to grow a drummer. So we grew one in West Derby in a club called some Casbah, and his trouble was Pete Best. We called, hello Pete, come off to Germany. Yes, Zoom. After a few months, Peter and Paul, who was called McCarty, son of Jim McCarty, his father, lit a kino, and the German police said, bad Beatles, you must go home and light your English cinemas. Zoom. Half a group. But before even this, the Gestapo had taken my friend little George Harrison of Speak away, because he was only 12 and too young to vote in Germany. But after two months in England, he grew 18, and the Gestapos said, you can come. So suddenly, all back in Liverpool Village were many groups playing in green grey suits and Jim said why have you no grey suits we don't like them Jim we said speaking to Jim after playing in the clubs a bit everyone said go to Germany so we are zoom Stuart gone zoom zoom John of Walton Georgia speak Peter and Paul zoom zoom all of them gone thank you club members from John and George what are friends back in the real world on the 14th of July the Beatles having zoomed back from Germany had two welcome home gigs at the cavern lunch and evening and were treated as conquering heroes. Their evolving style and all new leather outfits were continuing to attract attention. Also on the bill in the evening were the White Eagle Jazz Band and Ian and the Zodiacs. Ian Edwards of the aforementioned group recalled, the Beatles didn't make an impression on me until I saw them that night. The long hours in Hamburg had knitted them together. The Cavern rewarded the Beatles growing popularity with a regular Wednesday night spot billed as the Beatles guest night. Their first guests were the Remo Four and the Pressmen, but as one of the Beatles books puts it, with the Beatles, who needs guests? The Beatles themselves again played the guest role on the Blue Jeans Spotlight Evening on the Cavern on Tuesday, July 25th, and had Johnny Sandon and the Searchers and the Four Jays as their guests. Renowned Liverpool blues singer Joey Shields recalled that night, quote, I was going for an interview to be an electrical engineer the next morning, and was ironing a shirt when my sister came home and said, The Beatles are playing tonight at the Cavern and they're fabulous. I went down there and it changed my life. I didn't bother with the interview. The Beatles walked on in leather jackets and opened with Rockin' Robin. They were knockout. The following evening, the Beatles returned to St. John's Hall in the Trabuk area of Liverpool. Also on the bill were the Big Three, the remains of Cass and the Casanovas following the departure of group founder Brian Casser, who had been backed by a young singer named Scylla White. She would soon find famous Scylla Black with her first single release, a Lennon and McCartney number, Love of the Love. Part 2, August 1961. It was during August that Polydor in Germany released a single from the June recordings done in Hamburg with Tony Sheridan. The single, credited to Tony Sheridan and the Beat Brothers, featured the truncated title My Bonnie and The Saints. They sold around 100,000 copies in Germany and reached number 5 on the country's hit parade. 
The single had not officially been released in the UK just yet. Other sources suggest it was actually released in October 1961 and didn't chart until December, where it stayed for 12 weeks and peaked at number 32. The Beatles continued to book multiple dates in and around Liverpool. They were still very much a local band. Despite the local accolades, the boys were starting to get tired of playing the same circuit of venues and were looking for a way to break out of the monotony, albeit a high-energy monotony. A few highlights from the continuing round of gigs that month included an all-night session at the Cavern on Saturday 5th of August, in which the Beatles and the Remo Four shared the bill with noted jazz trumpeter Kenny Ball, the Mike Cotton Jazz Band and a few other jazz combos. On the evening of the 17th, the group were back to being a five-man outfit for one night only when they were joined by bass player Johnny Gusterson from the Big Three, who were also on the bill that evening. With Gusterson taking over the duties on the bass, Paul left his guitar and took over the mic in the style of a solo singer and would move around the stage and occasionally get in amongst the audience while belting out a few tunes. Wednesday the 23rd, the Rocking Black Cats and Carl Vincent and the Counts were the support on the Beatles' guest night. But it was the headliners that continued to impress and even change lives. Future record label owner and producer Jeff Davis recalled, quote, I was working in a tailor shop and had a half day off on a Wednesday, so I went down to the cavern with a mate. The Beatles were on and I stood close to the stage and I watched them. I was sold. That was it. I dropped all my prejudices around pop music. It was one of the finest things I've ever seen in my life. On Friday, August the 25th, the Beatles were invited to join the festivities on one of Captain Owner Ray McFall's riverboat shuffle events. During the summer months, McFall would occasionally rent out the Mersey Ferry vessel, the Royal Iris, to provide an evening of floating entertainment designed to appeal to the widest cross-section of customers as possible. On this occasion, the main attraction was trad jazz star and occasional cavern guest, Aka Bilk, whose recently released Strangers on the Shore would go on to be the UK's best-selling single of 1962. The Beatles were added to the bill to attract the more youthful audience. The evening's musical roundup on the Mersey lasted three and a half hours, with the Beatles being invited back for three more trips in the coming weeks. Akabilt recalled, quote, The boat used to go down the Mersey a bit and then out into the channel, and the Beatles did our interval spots. They wore black leathers and I liked the tunes they played. I was very impressed. Pete Best recalled that rather than lug his drum kit onto the boat, he had been offered the use of the impressive set belonging to the jazz band's drummer, Ron McKay, which he readily accepted. Unfortunately, McKay was left-handed, which meant Pete had to scramble to rearrange the kit each time the Beatles played. The Beatles rounded out the month of August at the cavern, sharing a bill with the Strangers. Blues musician Al Peters noted, quote, The Beatles clearly liked the intensity of rhythm and blues and would put it into their own music. In particular, he noted their use of bass and guitar rather than piano on their cover of Ray Charles' What Did I Say? Hey, mama, don't you treat me wrong Come and love you, daddy, all night long, all right now Hey, hey 
At the end of August, Cavan DJ Bob Wooler heaped praise on the Beatles with a prescient few words in the latest issue of Mersey Beat. They read, Such are the fantastic Beatles. I don't think anything like them will happen again. Part 3, September 1961. The Beatles played 33 gigs in and around Liverpool during September. A fine example of their crowded schedule would be Friday the 15th of September when they played three gigs. The regular lunchtime slot at the Cavern was followed by two evening gigs that were on opposite sides of the River Mersey. First off was a return after a six-month gap to the Grosvenor Ballroom across the water in Wallasey. This was followed by a dash back across the river to a new venue, the Village Hall in the area of Liverpool known as Notty Ash, for a gig promoted by Mona Best. Just a few years later, Notty Ash would become famous as the home of Liverpool comedian Ken Dodd and his fictional gang of Diddy Men. On Thursday, September 21st, promoter Brian Kelly managed to secure the services of Liverpool's top three acts for a sold-out event at the Litherland Town Hall, where the Beatles were joined by Jerry and the Pacemakers, recently returned from their first stint in Hamburg, and Rory Storm and the Hurricanes, featuring Ringo Starr. This three-and-a-half-hour rocking extravaganza cost just three shillings to attend. A bargain, if ever there was one. By the end of September, the boys were exhausted, and thanks to a generous cash-in-hand early 21st birthday gift, John headed off for a two-week break in Paris, accompanied by Paul. In our next episode, after their Parisian break, the Beatles' wild ride continues with the formation of a one-off Liverpool supergroup and a momentous lunchtime visit to the Cavern by a local record store owner. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Before They Were Beatles podcast. If you would like to leave a rating or a review on your favourite podcast platform, that would be great. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. The music heard in this episode included The Beatles, Cry for a Shadow, Bobby Day, Rockin' Robin, Silla Black, Love of the Love, Kenny Ball and his Jazz Men, Rampant Street Blues, Aka Bilt, Strangers on the Shore, Ray Charles, What Did I Say, and Ken Dodd, We Are the Diddy Men. You can find full versions of the music heard in this episode in the dedicated Before They Were Beatles podcast YouTube channel, for which I'll add a link in the show notes. If you would like to make a comment or ask a question, you can follow the podcast Twitter account at Before Beatles. You can also find copies of the original Before They Were Beatles book on Amazon in hardcover, paperback and Kindle editions. I'm your host, writer and producer, Alan J. Porter. Stay well, stay safe and enjoy peace and love. Before They Were Beatles podcast is a production of Megrid Entertainment, a division of 4J's Group, LLC.